Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common. Go head-to-head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Clash. So... On Monday, we were in Derry, Maine, and damn it if we can't get enough of the place as we're heading right back there because Pennywise is back. But he's had a 21st century makeover because from 2017 and 2019, we're doing them both. It's it, chapters one and two. It's not like any town I've ever been in before. People die or disappear six times the national average. And that's just grown-ups. Kids are worse. Way, way worse. We all float down here. Bill, if you'll come with me, you'll float too. You'll float too. You'll float too. You'll float too. We'll have a winner at the end of the show, but which film will it be? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Butters. Tasty, tasty, beautiful fear. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. How are you both? Very well. Yes, good. Final show <laughs> of the Halloween countdown. And then I think at the end we should pick our favourite Stephen King film of the month. Oh, I mean, that would have been nice to know beforehand, but yeah, sure. I think you can work out in your I head. I think I've already done it, actually. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> didn't need that much time. You're right. Absolutely right. Uh, very quickly, if you haven't subscribed to us here at Clash Pod, if you'd be kind enough to do that, that would be amazing on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Uh, we'd appreciate it, all three of us. And if you're able to give us a little rating and review, we'd be very grateful. And if you do have time to give us a review, it may be read out on the show by Chris Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly, which sounds a bit like this. Uh, it's from Mason Storm PL, who says, Love the show, always gives me a laugh, and love the chemistry between the hosts. Brilliant reviews and anecdotes, and Vicky's laugh is just downright infectious. 
I think I may be a little bit in love with her. Uh, kissy emoji, five stars. Wow, okay. <laughs> oh, no. oh my God, oh no. Lost for words. <laughs> Never seen that before. No, we got, got some red face. We got some red face. The flushing. <laughs> She's flushing. No, this is because normally I think my laugh is in the, I would say, top three things that people find most annoying about me. <laughs> Not for Mason Storm. <laughs> Great. Well, it's good to know I've got options. <laughs> Mason Storm sounds like the kind of guy who'd bring you a beer in the bath. <laughs> Well, then we're on. Mason Storm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'd love to go out with someone called Mason Storm. Well, work on your laugh and see what happens. Mm, Mason Storm. <laughs> <laughs> That's my real laugh. It's a fake laugh that I use for this show. All right, then. My choices this week, It, the 1990 miniseries versus It's Chapter 1 and 2. Because what better way to finish off our countdown to Halloween, the greatest night of the year, and our celebration of the master of horror than by ending our month of King versus King with the most terrifying iteration of one of his monsters in Tim Curry's Pennywise versus the highest grossing adaptation in the history of horror cinema. It's Chapter 1. And it's just two. So, uh, ready to go? Ready to go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. On Monday, Vicky was our 90s guide through the sewers of Derry, which means today Chris is seeing what they look like with a $20 million makeover. Chris takes on a journey. Substitute Bill for Tim, remove the word grating, ignore the last bit, and take it away, Vicky. I never had any friends like the ones I had when I was 12. Jesus, does anyone? Well, yeah, Richard Dreyfus in another Stephen King story of childhood bonds and fears. I do, actually. But that's because I didn't make them battle the eater of worlds with scrap metal and an inhaler, which is what young Bill does to his friends, the Losers Club, when a malevolent force, which principally takes the form of an evil clown because Tim Curry is amazing, reappears in Derry, Maine, as part of a 30-year cycle to eat all the kids and give everyone nightmares forever. But they didn't kill it, did they? Because of the aforementioned lack of weapons, and so now grating adult versions of these sweet kids go at it again, still with no proper weapons, and then literally tear it apart with their bare hands, and I think excavate its heart, using its own spidery limbs, to crack open its own exoskeleton? Turns out 20 years of repressed anger and paralysing fear is more deadly than an inhaler. Who knew? (laughs) (laughs) Now, hopefully Blondine will have spliced in... Vicky's introduction from Monday there. So thanks for that, Vicky. You're welcome. Uh, so um, anything interesting happening around your first viewing of this? Because these films are relatively new. Me? No, not really. I was trying to remember. Uh, so I went to the Odeon Holloway to see It Chapter One, um, the one on Holloway Road, just around the corner from our studio, weirdly enough. And I remember watching it and thinking, this is good. I am enjoying this film but not being particularly scared by it, which, granted, uh, this is going back, what, a few years now, so I'm an adult watching it, at least physically, but there is one moment in it where I jumped so much, much more than in any moment in the first one, which doesn't have any jump scares, I don't think, really. One moment in this where I jumped so much, some children nearby laughed at me <laughs> because I came out of my seat. I was like, I projected into the air and... Fucking kids went, <laughs> and I was like, "Dickhead!" 
with a girl, didn't look cool. I was back in school, pulling a blood clot from my nose. It's the same thing. Uh, Vicky, were these both first watches for you? Yeah, I didn't go anywhere near them because yeah. I knew I was terrified of it. I watched them, mm. you know, when I told you I went to Halifax the other week and did Jaeger bombs with that magician. I watched yeah. them on the train. Charlie Chalkle, I yeah. believe. Yeah. <laughs> from Leeds to back. Halifax. And I was trying to watch it and it, I was fine watching it. And I, I wasn't that scared. But the train just filled up with a lot of elderly people and it suddenly felt very inappropriate mm. to have my iPad on the table that we were sharing. And I just felt really guilty about watching it in front of them, so I had to stop. It's a strange... Why? It's just They're so... old enough. This, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the rating works for yeah. them. I just felt bad about it. Nice people, nice mm. older people. I don't it's not think, what they wanted. I don't think I watched Chapter 2 until it came out on home viewing. I don't think I did a cinema experience. No, I didn't because um, of the reviews and word of mouth mm. made me think, yeah. And, and also the length. Everyone everyone was oh complaining God, about yeah. the length. And so it's like, this is one I can watch at home. Mm-hmm. But I had a better introduction to the first film because I went to Comic-Con to meet the kids in it Aww. and the director. Oh, wow. So we did. they did a screening of some footage from the film. Maybe, maybe it was more like sizzle reel trailer stuff because the only lengthy sequence they showed was the one of them um, jumping into the water at the quarry and all the stuff around that, mm. which was, you know, the real stand-by-me stuff. And it was just brilliant. You thought, oh, they might have something here if they've managed to pull off the scary stuff because this feels like a really great... Uh, kids movie so yeah I, I saw that and then met all the actors in a bar and the director and they're all nice yeah yep um so yeah and then yeah as i say the second one same as you al he's had quite a good career hasn't he andy muschetti in a very short amount of time i remember because mm. what it was only 2013 i remember watching mama which i thought was quite good yeah pretty mm. good yeah. pretty good it was all right and then his next movie five years later was it and then it chapter two both of which did very well now mm. he's doing the flash the flash yeah mm. But he wasn't the first director on this project. No. So uh, there's been two major phases of planning for this film. And the first was with Kerry Fukunaga, who yeah. boarded it in 2012 yeah. um, and co-wrote the script with Chase Palmer mm. as a Warner Brothers picture. It's a shame he hasn't done anything since, poor Kerry. <laughs> well, you're mates with him now, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Hello. Did you talk to him about it? Uh, I didn't, actually. No, no it's, it's weird. When you're at a Bond premiere, <laughs> they tend to like you to talk about Bond. Yeah, I hosted the uh, Royal. No, but premiere. I mean, at f- like four in the morning in the bar, did you oh, ask shit. him about it? <laughs> Not God, in an official back. Bond interview. Yeah, no, I was still talking about Bond at that point. <laughs> no, fine. I mean, keep it, keep it positive. <laughs> what about that film that you left? Yeah. <laughs> um, so the decision was taken to start the story off in the 1980s and to split the two eras across two films rather than cutting back and forth and I think you can see why he got the gig because of True Detective cuts Mm. back and forth in time and the final episode is in this freaky house similar to so much of this film takes place in that house, the the Nebot house here so um, producer Dan Lynn said the most important thing is that Stephen King gave us his blessing, we didn't want to make the film unless we felt it was the right way to go and we sent him the script, the response that Kerry got back was go with God please, this is the version the studio should make so King wanted that version then the film moved to New Line in 2014 which is part of Warner Brothers but it was they wanted to reinvigorate this sort of genre arm of the company and Kerry said that that is when things started to go wrong he said uh, he said and this is a while after the fact I think New Line's view of what they wanted and my view of what I wanted were very different I wanted to do, do a drama with horror elements more like The Shining I think they wanted to do something more like Annabelle that was essentially the disconnect. Um, a year later, Will Poulter was cast as Pennywise. Mm. And then a few weeks after that, Kerry Fukunaga dropped out. 
Uh, he said, I was trying to make an unconventional horror film. It didn't fit into the algorithm of what they knew they could spend and make money back on based on not offending their standard genre audience, which is cutting. The, the use of the word algorithm there. It's he, like, there's no creativity there. It's all maths. He added, uh, they didn't want any characters. They wanted archetypes and scares. It would have been such a waste if that had actually happened. Look, I enjoy the Annabelle movies. I don't mind them. I think they're fine, but they are not what you should do with this property. Mm. Yeah, and I've, I've, I've read around trying to figure out exactly what was in the Kerry Fukunaga version. So here's a few things that might be of interest. Uh, in his script, uh, Bill is called Will. Right, correcting that mistake. <laughs> but, but equally, I can see how that would really piss off fans. Like, why change Bill to Will? Yeah, we, but we... Ben is called Wen and Bev is called Wen. <laughs> so it's, it's, not, it's not the move in the right direction you think it is. Right. Well, some of it's strange. Uh, Henry Bowers becomes Travis Bowers. Hmm. Don't know why. Um, there's more Mike, and you find out this family was burned at the Black Spot nightclub by the Legion of Decency, which is a version of the Ku Klux Klan, hmm. um, under the control of Pennywise. And interestingly, a friend of Mike's dad Dad escapes uh, from that fire, uh, and that is Dick Halloran oh, from lovely. The Shining. Lovely. Oh. So a little bit of shared universe going on there, and and, and another thing uh, that connects it to The Shining is that in this version, um, Pennywise first appears to stand as a naked woman um, getting out of a bath. That's so interesting. No, no, not a lady in a painting, which we end up with this film. Well, we didn't really talk about that on Monday, but it's very interesting that Pennywise is a he throughout. Yes. And then the spider at the end is actually a she mm. because they kill its eggs. Mm. So it's a woman, a female. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Thanks for bringing up my change. Um, <laughs> there's a bit more racism in this book. The, the, the book strongly alludes to Bev being uh, abused by her father. Um, she isn't a damsel in distress in this version um, because she never gets captured by Pennywise. Um, there's flashbacks to the Silver Dollar Saloon. I don't know if you remember that from the book in 1879. This character, Claude Haru, slaughters everyone around him with an axe hmm. in this saloon and he's driven to madness by Pennywise. A sort of glimpse oh, at stuff yeah. happening in the past. This is the stuff I really would have liked to have seen because, as I said on Monday, I'm so fascinated by the history of Derry mm. and what it has done every 27 years as it is in the mm -hmm. film. And I'd love to have seen that. And, I, um, you know, Andy Muschietti's version does do some history and does try and create like a, a history for it, but it doesn't do it very well. Uh, all right, I'm going to jump to, I was going to do this at the end, but there is a deleted scene uh, from this movie oh, yeah. about the history that, again, trying to piece together what happened. Um, Bill Skarsgård, who we're going to get to, uh, spoke on a Variety's playback podcast and said there was a scene that we shot that was a flashback from the 1600s before Pennywise was Pennywise. The scene turned out really, really disturbing. And I'm not the clown. I look more like myself. It's very disturbing. Sort of a backstory for what it or where Pennywise came from. Um, so I think that might be a scene that's been circulating online where Pennywise visits a woman settler and says he wants to eat her baby. Right. Um, she refuses and he says, if not, he'll eat her and her husband and her other children and everyone else in the village. So she gives him the baby and we hear him eating the baby as we look into her eyes and her expression changes from fear to denial to grief to acceptance and then nothing, just a glazed look as if nothing horrific is actually happening. Wow. And that's quoting from the, the actual script page there. I would quite like to see that <laughs> it scene. It sounds amazing. Yeah. I would like that scene. And potentially it was filmed. Wow. That's it. See, and what we get is like a mishmash of like, we're going to get to it, but is it an alien in this version? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. 
It is, definitely. Let's go on to phase two then uh, with Mama director Andy Muschietti. Um, a quote from him, he said, uh, the way Carey intended uh, to execute the script is something that only he can talk about. I can say my version of it is highly emphasises Pennywise's most terrifying virtue, which is his inability to materialise into your worst fear. I want to take people on a journey into Pennywise's world through a disturbing, surrealistic and intoxicating experience that will leave nobody at ease. Um, so while they used Carrie Fu, he's got a, he's got a script credit yeah. on the final film. They said the big thing was playing up um, the shape shifting qualities and regarding the monsters. Andy said, "I wanted to bring out deeper fears based not only on movie monsters but on childhood traumas." So in 2016, Will Poulter was out. Uh, people spoken about for this role were uh, seriously spoken about were Mark Rylance, Ben Mendelsohn, Hugo Weaving, and Tilda Swinton. Cool. I I I I'm interested in Tilda Swinton on that list, and uh, I think Ben Mendelsohn could have been quite interesting. Those are my two from that list. Yeah, my issue. Hugo with, Weaving's too evil already. My issue yeah. with Tilda Swinton is too frightening. Just too scary. What? Tilda Swinton's too frightening. Too she could, you, scary. Yeah, it would be too scary. It would be unwatchable. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, so Bill Skarsgård got the role. Uh, someone who I'd not really seen before, obviously aware of his brother. But um, did you know who he was going into this? I, I did not, other no. than him being Alex Skarsgård's brother. So it's cool to see a new face, really. I thought mm. that was really interesting. Everyone wanted to be someone famous. It doesn't have to be. Pennywise is the, is, the, is the star. Do you know that the most amazing fact, though, about him getting the role that they discovered after they'd cast the role? No. That he's... that I don't know. No. That he... So Andy uh, Machete sort of was like, ah, I really need your eyes to go in different directions. Oh, wow. And Bill Skarsgård went... Like this. I can do that. <laughs> I can actually do that. And, he, and like Andy Muschietti actually says, uh, what are the chances? It's one in a million. And he was already cast. So even in those moments when his eyes move, it was all him in the storm drain when he goes limp. It's like, it fucked me up. It's all him. I was obsessed with that because I was like, how have they done that? Mm. I was like, have you got blank contacts and then they've CGI'd the eye? Like, how have they done it? But they, yeah. he just did it. I didn't know that. Amazing fact. And that was my whistle-stop tour through the background. Because awesome. we've got lots to talk about. Is that it? Yeah. Is that it? I should credit uh, the Movie Facts Instagram site, which is where I actually found <laughs> that fact about his eyes. Okay. So there you go. Sure. Okay. Mm. That's all right. Why are you making that weird face? No, it's you just, did a good thing. I'm, I'm just trying. Just to be... about is it because you just nicked it at the last minute? Like fuck. No, <laughs> movie facts is his thing. Oh, is that? Yeah, oh, is it? he's plugging it's, himself. I'm, are I'm, you? I'm, no, I'm not because I'm not referencing just the facts, which is the podcast. But Grant, who wrote well, the movie, you facts. just done it now. Well, now I've done it. <laughs> That's my fault. That is your fault. You should have <laughs> just let it go and not been so intently looking at my stupid face, pulling stupid expressions, <laughs> feeling guilty. Right, come on, we've got five hours of this bugger to get through. Right. So, chapter one, October 1988. Uh, Bill is crafting the SS Georgie. <laughs> so, we've seen this twice now. Yeah. Um, that yeah. family isn't that poor. Yeah. Can they not afford a boat that isn't made of paper? Can they not <laughs> afford... Who has a paper boat? Can they not afford a Nintendo system? <laughs> I mean, literally, I, there's a couple of moments in this where you go, I love the fact you've moved it to 1988. No, no kid is making his younger brother a toy boat that that kid is like, I can't wait for this boat. <laughs> I'm fucking playing Mario. Leave me the fuck alone. I'm glad we both thought that. <laughs> but I think it helps probably that we're similar age to the kids, aren't we? In 88, I was 10, you were nine, yeah. you were three. <laughs> See what I did there? Thank you, Chris. Thank you. I was a bit, thank you. So yeah, I could put myself in the shoes of, of, of these characters. Um, if my little brother had come in and gone, can you make me a boat? And I'd be like, 
Absolutely. When have I ever made you a bowl? <laughs> what are you doing in my room? When have I made you anything? Get out. <laughs> you want a kick in the bollocks? Do you know what you should do? Because I will give you a kick in the bollocks. Do you know what you should fucking do, James? Go and play near that storm drain. Have fun. <laughs> well, we followed Georgie down the rainy street and it's so beautifully shot. You, really you're watching good, yeah. a movie, aren't you? You're mm. watching a frigging movie. Um, uh, just, I'm going to focus on this scene for a moment and then we'll fly through the rest of it. But um, I think immediately uh, Bill's uh, Pennywise is, is less friendly and welcoming than Tim Curry's. Sure. I think I would have run a mile immediately. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I will say just in the run-up to him appearing, the sound quality on this made such a difference. Watching this compared to obviously a 1990 yeah. version, but it was so ominous echoing around my living room. Mm. But the mouth open wide, huge teeth bite the arm off and that long arm pulls him in and it's 10 minutes in and I don't know, it's just, it's a brilliant mini horror film, mm. isn't it? And I felt such sadness. Yeah. The kid's really great. Um, the kid's really great. Both Georgie's yeah, are great. Yeah, I was going to say, it was, it was uh, most of our favourite scenes mm. on Monday and it's brilliantly done here but as well. And they find different ways to make him sympathetic in the 1990 version. It's when he sees the boat going down the drain. He's like, no, no. And mm. this is where he smacks his head on the thing and oh, yeah. falls over because... Oh, He's watching the boat so intently. Yeah. I'm going to cry. Stop yeah. talking about it. But that shot from above where he's crawling away from the drain yes. and he's already had his arm torn off and he's like struggling. And the clown hand, because this is new from the yeah. uh, first movie, the clown hand, because you think if I get far enough, even I've lost an arm. You're mm. probably not even thinking about that. But if I get far enough away, I'll still be safe and maybe someone will help me. And it's the extendo arm that yeah. just comes out. And it's like, again, like we said with the plug yeah. hole in 1990 version, bending the rules of physics. Wait, he lost the arms race, didn't he? <laughs> oh, God. It's so upsetting, that scene. <laughs> And yet that works. Yeah, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. <laughs> Cut to June 1989. What a summer that was. Um, and this is from the Kari Fukunaga script. The kids are already a gang. So we just get on with it. Yeah. Um, uh, the new kid at school, Ben, embarrasses himself. I know we've got a lot to get through. I forgot to change my T-shirt. Just give me one set. I'm going to change my T-shirt. <laughs> it's important. Okay. Trust Stop. me. You know this is an audio podcast. You can carry on, but you need to see this. This is an audio podcast. All right, I'll carry on then. Um... Are oh, you really good? All right. Yeah, no, great. Oh, no, oh, here he is. <laughs> okay. I'll keep talking. Uh, you don't because mind me changing in front of you. No. This is about me. Um, the new kid embarrasses himself in front of Bev uh, because she discovers he's listening to new kids on the block. Yeah. Uh, Machete added that in. That's his invention. And I loved it because I was a massive blockhead, as we used to call ourselves. Oh, that's nice. I loved them too. Who's your favourite? Uh, Joey, obviously. Me too. Since I was little, yeah. <laughs> now like I'm Joey. older, then it wouldn't be. But when Hanging you're... tough. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Hanging tough. Put your shirt tough. on. Jesus Christ. Gee whiz. Um... So I was I wouldn't have been embarrassed by my new kids on the block love. Back no, that's then. what's good about you. You don't give a shit, do you? Like no. I love I like the spice because why is that so? It'll important? make sense in a minute. I'll explain. All right. Okay. Right. <laughs> Done. I don't know. Do we cut all that out? No, it's fine. <sighs> I feel like you've spoiled it. Um <laughs> <laughs> It'll be worth it for this t-shirt. I love the way Ben stares at Bev while she's signing his book. Yeah. I think it's a very real moment. And the fact that he says, please don't go, girl. On the block. I, I definitely would have done something like that. And it then... is the bit where he goes, that's another lyric. <laughs> so as we said on Monday, another addition uh, to this version of it is Bill's been trying to figure out what happened to Georgie. Because they haven't found his arm, Bill still thinks uh, Georgie is alive. So it sort of it, it adds more of an investigative kind of aspect uh, to what happens in this first movie. Um, Batman, Lethal Weapon 2 are on at the cinema. 
Yeah. Apparently they only showed Warner Brothers films that summer. <laughs> I got confused though because I'm an idiot because I was I forgot that it was in America. So I was like, um, Batman was actually a 12. Wait, that was only the UK. Because when it says Batman PG-13, I was like, well, that's wrong. Is that, an, is that an Easter egg of some kind? Just no. It's not. Right. Uh, the kids are riding around on their bikes. I feel like we, we've got that Spielbergian Amblin small town. Let's talk about this right now. This manages to do Stand By Me. Mm-hmm. The Goonies, yes. Stranger Things, yes. all at once. It's so well done. And obviously, because this is R-rated, hearing the kids fucking effing and swearing. <laughs> can't believe I said fucking effing. <laughs> <laughs> and swearing at each other. It makes it very real. And I think the relationships between these child actors is, is, is phenomenal. I yeah. think the young Eddie is really good. Uh, and I found out, you know who he is? The guy who plays the 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 young Eddie. He's very good in Shazam. Yeah, he's very yeah, good in yeah. Shazam. Yeah, I, he's. Uh, I, I mean, he's had a great way into. Who is he, uh, Alex? He's Brian Grazer's nephew. Oh, is he? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he's done all right. Yep. Um, but I, do, I disagree with you though about the like. I mean, I think when you're an older person <clears throat> writing young people, especially young boys, like all they talk about is wanking and. Oh, and yeah, you're a mum and yeah, you're a mum and all the rest of it. And then they have these about turns later on where they make these huge speeches where they sound exactly like adults. So there's a point later where Bill is stood on... No, Eddie says to his mum, you, you made me abandon my friends when I needed them the most. And Bill has this big speech on the steps where he's like, I need to go in this house because it's easier than going home. And kids don't talk like that. Whether or not they only talk about wanking, I don't know. But they have these massive switches where all of a sudden they're mini adults and it, that felt really false. Mm. Um, it's interesting you mentioned the Stranger Things influence on this mm. because, of course, were it not for this, we wouldn't have Stranger Things because the Duffer brothers wanted to make it. And they were on it briefly, I think, or they pitched for it. They didn't get it. And mm. so they went away and wrote Stranger Things. Mm. That's how we. That's why we got Stranger oh, Things. Oh, I got this the wrong way around. So Finn, was Finn Wolfhard in, in Stranger this? Stranger Things first, yeah. Oh, he wasn't Stranger Things first. Right, fine, yeah, fine, fine, yeah, fine, yeah. Fine. yeah. Um, and so it's Ben here. I think Mike, as we mentioned on Monday, I don't think Mike's very well served in this version either. No. Ben, Ben's the one that's studying Derry's history. He's learning about the, the death and destruction in the history books in the library. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a total steal from Mike, yeah. isn't it? Jesus. Yeah. Um, and that's a good scene in the in the library. The balloon floats by, leads him to a headless figure chasing through the filing cabinets, all a bit Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And that turns into Pennywise. Um, I will say this. I think some of the scares in this are great. I think some of the scares are too effects heavy. Yep. And I think that's an interesting thing with Pennywise himself. But we'll get on to that. Yeah, I think chapter two is worse than this one as mm. well for that. But yeah, um, true. he's caught by the bullies who beat him up and Henry starts carving his name into Ben's stomach until he escapes, which I remember that very vividly from the book. And it's terrifying. Here. And interesting that in the 1990 version, he doesn't. He holds, the knife, him, he holds the knife to him. And yeah. then one of his friends actually goes... Uh, Henry, what are you doing? Uh, But in this one, he actually carves the H in, which is interesting. What we established on Monday, though, is because you couldn't have kids in jeopardy in in the TV version. So, I mean, you wouldn't cut that out because it's a very effective moment. We've got a new friend as well, Patrick Hochstetter, Mm. who uh, loves an aerosol, uh, likes flaming, Mm -hmm. seems like a bit of a psychopath, and wears a T-shirt with a faded cartoon cat on it. Right. That's what this T-shirt is. I saw Patrick Hochstetter's T-shirt I went, I'm having that. We just bought it off the internet. Because I'm that twat who sees T-shirts <laughs> in films now and goes, yeah, I like that T-shirt, and then buys it. It was like the, I've had the Monster Squad one, Stephen King Rules, on yeah. Monday. I've got the Sriracha 
like uh, Source One from the boys' TV show. And now I've got Patrick does Cox. That, as does Cat. Alex know this is an audio podcast? No. Okay. But it's for you. No, I like it. Okay. Do you I, actually like yeah, it? Yeah, I do like it. Pretty I thought cool. it was faded because it was old, but now I realise you no. bought it off the internet yesterday. Yeah. So. I do not think the payoff lived up to the setup. Really? Yep. And hopefully we can snip it all. Oh, okay. Fine. <laughs> old scissor hands over there. <laughs> um, so uh, they help Ben um, head to the chemist for supplies to, to patch him up. And that's where Bev is buying Tampax. And they team up with Bev. Um, Big problem here. Mm. She's nervous of her period. She doesn't want them to see the tampons. So she hides the tampons behind her back because she's like, oh, fuck tampons. Then when she's flirting in quote marks with the pharmacist, the box of tampons is very visible. If you were nervous of your period and you were embarrassed by the tampons, you wouldn't have them on the isn't counter that, when you were flirting. Isn't that because he's an adult though, and she's you know, and a pharmacist, and it's more about sort it of just, boys, boys her own age. She's worried about being embarrassed about. I think it's very difficult to flirt over a box of tampons. I've yeah. tried it; it's hard. I think it's a weird change because I'm pretty sure in the book it's Eddie fakes an asthma attack or something to, yeah. to distract him, and so. But I guess it's. I mean, that you know, it's their way of playing up her sexuality or her confused sexuality that sure. she's using it as a weapon already. Yeah. Um, it's a creepy looking pharmacist. Oh, yeah. Well. Because um, the dad in the next scene sees sees her tampax and he sort of smiles satanically and then sniffs her. Yeah, and then does. asks if she's still his little girl. Yeah. Which <laughs> is like the stuff in Gerald's game. Stephen, like, I don't know if they've not lifted it, but it's something in the mix there. Yeah. You know, uh, what do you think? I know you didn't like, uh, you weren't a fan of Henry Bowers yeah. Jr. in the 1990 version. What do you think of uh, Nicholas Hamilton, who plays him in this? I think he's great. He's really good. I just still, it's not a criticism about the performance. It's just that there's a lot of extra story going on in an already long film, and I don't think it needs it. And I think if you're going to, you, you've got a book of source material, are you remaking the 1991? And one of my bugbears with this is that you had the chance to do it do it differently. And I think you could have cut down the Henry stuff. Mm. It's but, just really personal. Just, there's so much mm, story. But I think what they're doing here is they're trying to play up the fact that, that Pennywise has poisoned the whole town, poisoned yeah. his um, Henry's dad, poisoned Henry, mm. and several other characters. So they've, I, felt, I think they felt the need to bring in all these other characters just to show us that this is not just one clown and one creature that's doing all this. Yeah, I feel, I feel like I missed it. I just felt like Henry's dad was a horrible person and Bev's dad was a horrible person and I just didn't quite get that. But that, that's on me though, I just missed it. Did you, you? We talked about this on Monday, the TV show that's yeah. on when Bev walks into the living room and it is going, go and play in the sewers, but, children. Yeah. Do you think that's a TV show that's been broadcast all over town? I thought that was just Pennywise appearing to him. Me too. Oh, maybe. Mm. I mean, maybe. It's, an, it's an interesting concept, but um, he can do what he likes, can't he? He could do either. Yeah, anyway. and it's it's sort of in the background as well. But I thought it fed into this idea that mm. you're saying of Derry mm. itself being evil and him controlling every facet of it. <clears throat> yeah. Boys in pants spitting off a cliff. Um, I, I like this because, as I say, this is the one I saw at Comic-Con. You know, Bev shows up. She jumps off before them. And then we'll play in the water. It's just this really lovely, naturalistic, elemental. I love the way it's shot. I like it. What are the chances of all your friends having exactly the same pair of pants? <laughs> Well, boxer shorts hadn't come in. Boxer shorts didn't come in until um, that Levi's advert. I hadn't thought of it. I know. No one wore boxer shorts until that Levi's advert. Uh, uh, Do you know what? You're absolutely right. Which was 87. There were were two-tone Y-fronts. You could get some brown and cream ones. You could get some red and green ones. I think I only had white and blue Y-fronts until (laughs) until the boxers became a thing. What Levi's Um, advert? Nick Cayman, the laundrette one. When Nick Cayman walks in and he's sitting in his... Suddenly, boxer shorts took off. Yeah. Learn your pant history. Sorry. Alex. 
I mean, I'm, I mean, I, I'm... Have you done a media studies A-level, you fool? No, I'm in trunks these days, though. Oh, OK, Did mm. we, we didn't ask. I'm oh, sorry, I thought you wanted to know. <laughs> uh, and I like the fact they play Buster Move, because that's one of my favourite songs of all time in the sequence. <laughs> it is funny. The bit where they're all looking at... Yes, Bev. watching her sunbathe yep. is very funny. Yeah. Um, so a bit more Bev now. Uh, we have the sequence in the bathroom. So she hears voices from the sink. She sticks the tape measure down there. The hair comes up and attaches Yuck! herself to her. Yeah, and that's her so gross. It's good, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's very effective because no one likes hair in a plug hole. No. It's just, especially if it's not your own. Um, and then the blood flies up and covers the room. Um, so this is... Incre- this is for me. This is up there with the fucking lifts opening in The Shining mm. in terms of use of blood well, in a scene. I tell you what, it reminds me of. Have you have you watched the Evil Dead remake? The finale yes. of that with the blood, where it's oh, just God. a complete shower storm of blood. Oh, I can't remember it. Um, who went, who directed that? <laughs> Fede Alvarez. Fede. <laughs> Is he texting I you back it. yet? No, but it's. Yeah. I mean, he's busy. Yeah, yeah. He's got. He's got a lot of stuff on the go. I know. I know. And he's been <laughs> consistently busy for two years. So <laughs> still waiting for you to get that text back. Uh, uh, but you're, you're right, Alex. It's, I think it's really visually effective. It looked amazing on the big screen. And here, as in as in the TV movie, the dad bursts in. You realise only he can see. I think that's a really great reveal. Mm. Both both times. That, yeah. My only problem is it when it comes to the cleanup, and you can imagine them cleaning up the blood in the first in nineteen nineties, it because it's like there's a bit of blood there. Mm. You're not cleaning up that. There is no way there's you're no cleaning. Way it's, that has it. soaked into no, the wallpaper. No, but if 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 the Cure uh, six different ways is playing, you do it quite fast because that's a good song. <laughs> Even though it's the rules of attraction song, it can't be the it song. Yep. Um, and so they open up to each other about their visions. We, re- you know, they finally realise that they're all uh, seeing Pennywise, and then we have the Rock War, mm. which was more exciting in the Kerry Fukunaga version because it was Fourth of July and it was a firework uh, war. Awesome. And when you hear it described, it sounds um, it sounds like war. Mm. Um, but that's ah, cute here, I suppose. Um, uh, Ben's figured out that um, what's he figured out he's figured out that six times the national average of people are disappearing in Derry um, he figures out it's happening every 27 years and uh, they realise that everywhere it attacks is connected by the sewers um, which meet at the well house because mm, we see the slideshow don't we the carousel yeah starts projecting those family pictures and that is creepy when you choke close up on Georgie and his mum is Pennywise yeah. oh imagine looking at an old picture and your mum's Pennywise <laughs> so this is the scene that uh, catapulted me out oh, of my amazing. seat in okay. the cinema yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. which is when big giant Pennywise yeah. emerges from the projector screen I was like it broke me at that moment. I was like, just sheer terror. I think the, because we talked, you know, like we've got a bit of a thing with like old cassettes and listening to like mm. white noise and stuff like that. I think the projector stuff is scary. Obviously the jump scare is good, but once Pennywise is out of the frame kind of thing, it's less scary than seeing mm. uh, that medium messed around with. I just, I, I, we had one of those projectors with slides in and they were a fucking nightmare. They all <laughs> j- jamming every five minutes. <laughs> uh, that, so they head to Nearbolt House uh, where, where, Bill delivers um, the speech that Vicky referenced, like. um, which <laughs> I like. So I'm going to disagree with you. It doesn't there. sound like a 12 year old boy. But he's talking about his brother, yeah. which I think he gets very emotional when he's talking about his brother. And equally, we've got to start seeing Bill transition into being the leader of this group. Yes. And so I like 
what he says. I like the way he says it, and I like the fact that he doesn't stutter once when he says it. So. Do you think it's a shame that this is the second time we've seen the Kneebolt House, and it should be the first time we've mm. seen it? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, because nothing really happens the first. Isn't it? Eddie gets chased there gets by the chased. blowjob leper. Yeah, yeah, and nothing really happens. Yeah, uh, look, I said it on Monday. It's the problem here is where the Kneebolt House is. If you still feel like you're just round the corner from safety and regular streets and yeah. you're not isolated like you are down at the Barrens where there's that ominous building in the original version. Uh, this is the first time that all the characters will interact with uh, Pennywise and Andy Machete said uh, the day that he showed up on the stage, they fucking freaked out. Bill is like seven foot high and I can't describe how scary he looks in person. He's a wiry man, crouching, making sounds, snotting, drooling, speaking in Swedish sometimes. He was terrifying. <laughs> Swedish is scary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it's a more of a 19th century clown, as we've said. What do you think of this interpretation? Of I love anyone? it. I absolutely yeah. love it. I just, I've, Tim Curry is scary, but is it, I mean, not to be like heretical about it, is it because... It scared, you, it scared me so much when I was 10 or 11, I couldn't watch past it. But to look at the way that they've done this creepy Victoriana thing just is scarier, especially because of the illuminated eyes. I don't know. It's And the cracking of the skin on the mm. mate. All of it is just much scarier. And it's also the fact that he feels more childlike. Like Tim Curry as Pennywise feels like an adult. Yes. Definitely. And this Pennywise feels like a child. He feels closer to <laughs> or a doll, kids. Like wait, a horrible wait. doll. But in terms of his sense of humour, he feels immature. And it's like he's getting a gleeful sort of mm. reaction. Like he has this gleeful reaction when he's terrifying them. And yeah. I think Bill Skarsgård said his thing is that he finds things hilarious yeah. as Pennywise that other people certainly wouldn't and you really get that vibe from him yeah and, and that's exactly what they were going for they wanted a childlike Pennywise mm. and so that's the great thing go you know you can't beat Tim exactly, Curry at what yeah. Tim Curry does do something different no I quite agree I think it's and the mouth opening up I know it's an, an effect and it's not him but the way it opens up I yeah. was like oh that's cool <laughs> So a bunch of things happen in the Although house. Although it just reminded me of the sharks. No, the things that kill the vampires in Blade Two, yeah. where the sort of new mutant vampires, their faces open up in a similar way. Yeah, okay. lots of characters' faces open up. That mm. like predator. Bunch of things happen in the house. <laughs> Richie finds his own missing purse poster. The BJ Leper tells Eddie to take his pills. Richie gets surrounded by clowns. Just lots of lots of things. There's lots of things happening. Uh, this is the moment where uh, Pennywise says, "Tasty, tasty, beautiful fear." Again, a call back to what happens in Doctor Sleep, or a call forward oh. with with Rose the Hat yeah. saying they taste better when uh, they're frightened. Um, Bev stabs uh, Pennywise through the head, and then he disappears through the well. And it, Eddie's arm gets broken, and then they bend it, they snap it back. That's, that's not, not how, how that works. works. Yeah, it's not how it works. So that's have a you dislo dislocated your shoulder? No, I've broken my <laughs> arm. Leave it alone. Good. I thought that was just me. No, you can't. You can't <laughs> snap Poor Eddie. him. Poor <laughs> You can't No wonder his mum doesn't want him hanging out with them. <laughs> yeah. They're idiots. <laughs> and then they start fighting amongst themselves, which is what it wants. So they storm off in different directions, and there's a montage of them returning to their own lives. Then we're into August. Uh, we get a bit more of Henry Bauer's home life. Um, yeah, this is where his dad embarrasses him in front of his friends, isn't it? Yeah, he sort of shoots at him and, and says that him. fear makes paper men crumble. Which is a terrible line. I just, I, I really, it really stuck out at the time where he goes, ain't nothing like a little fear to make a paper man crumble. Mm. Fold! Maybe if paper yeah. Oh, I never fold. thought of that. Yeah. Oh, what's, what's, when, when have you ever seen paper crumble? That's a good point. Or a, or a, or a pie man crumble. 
There you go. That would have been a lot well, better. I'm trying to think of what crumbles. Hi, man. <laughs> what, part, what crumbles? Apple crumbles. Nothing like a little bit of fear to make a rhubarb crumble. <laughs> Plaster crumbles. A plaster man. She <laughs> should have rewritten the whole line. <laughs> we can't make it work. Let me move the line. Uh, but yeah, Henry kills his dad um, on the orders of Pennywise. And um, yeah, we get some more. He- yeah, Henry kills his dad and then... Bev gets grabbed by her dad. Yeah. And he's saying creepy stuff. We get two abusive dad in two minutes. Two, exactly. Two, two many, dad deaths. Too many, too many Not abusive good. dads. Although that is the point of the town. It's like the adults are evil or Yeah, yeah but, but, you, but there's you... all different kinds of evil. Mm. Two abusive dads are the same evil. Yeah. Um, Eddie finally stands up to his mum and the gang's back together. They head back to Nebolt House uh, and they realise that if they stick together, they've got a chance at winning. Uh, Bev uh, gets kidnapped she's Pennywise the dancing clown stage and above it dead children suspended in air they're floating <laughs> yeah, now we get it very literally they all float down here as I've displayed above <laughs> take a look at that so when I said that yeah. it's, it's they do float there's I no mystery to it they uh, just float it wasn't just a terrifying expression look at them floating it's a good image though you, know, you can see where the budget's going in this film but uh, it gets confusing doesn't it because are they? Can you resuscitate them? Sort of. Maybe not. Is Georgie up there? If you, can you bring him back if you kiss him without his consent? Who knows? Well, that's because Bev is. Yeah, because Bev is hovering as she's well. Floating, she's floating, well, so she's in the same state as <laughs> yeah, they. They, they all hover down here. <laughs> you don't say that. She's floating. You're absolutely right. <laughs> so she's floating as well, and and obviously Bill brings her back with that terrible like it, like like Snow White fairy tale kiss it, yeah. where it's like yes thank you very much yeah where it's just like and it's like oh I'm back oh true love it's has like, resuscitated me I am now losing the rules of this system exactly what <laughs> yeah. is going on here because hmm. then Bill Bev is brought back to life with a true love's kiss because it's Sleeping Beauty but then Bill sees Georgie and it's like well why don't you just kiss him but he doesn't he Kills him Shoots again, him in the head. Him, which is fine. It works, but isn't that a bit of a gamble? Because you've just seen your friend be back. You'd be like, "Well, I'll try and kiss you first. Yeah, and if yeah. it doesn't work, then I'll kill you. Oh, yeah. when it when Georgie says, "I want to go home. Yeah. I miss you. Oh, I can't watch Where, it. Where's the fucking boat I made you? <laughs> you it you lost. <laughs> I'm also not sure how much I like Bev becoming a damsel in distress. No, here. it's bad, bad, yeah. bad, bad. Yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> I thought we were done with B words. You can't have Bev, Bill, Ben, and bad. bad. It's bad. bad. That yeah. is wad. Pennywise makes them offer. He threatens to kill them all, or will leave them all if they let him have Bill. Mm. I like that. I liked that. Yeah. Um, uh, (laughs) Because if it was either of you, take them. Oh, 100,000. Before we'd finish speaking. 100,000. I'd be like, like, Vicky, you go first. Chris, run. (laughs) Um, We see all their fears and then he nearly turns into a spider, but he doesn't quite. Um, They start beating him with weapons and he turns into Bev's dad and she impales him. A bit like she stabbed him in the head like 20 minutes earlier. Mm. Yeah. but we realise he couldn't kill Bev because she wasn't afraid and they aren't either. Uh, now he's afraid because he's going to starve. And so his head disintegrates. He says the word fear and then falls down a well. And the kids start floating down and Bill finds Georgie's yellow coat and he bursts into tears. I can't deal with this stuff with little brothers. Did you read the bit of the Kerry Fukunaga script that, de- that dealt with the orgy in a more grown up and mm. sophisticated way? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so she she's like, guys, we need to focus or whatever. But she just takes all, the, she just like cups them all by the face and they just have this sort of sweet moment and the light sort of revolves around the circle and it's like, we're all in it together kind of thing without the whisper of the unzipper. See, I don't that. know if I like that. Yeah. She gives them all a woody and then walks off. <laughs> that would not make more no. magazine you know sex scene of the with? month. You said in the book, it's like, 
Bill hears a whisper and he mm. didn't know what it was. And then he heard a zip. So what was the whisper? Like, it, it, it's not explained. Maybe, I mean, maybe her, her vagina. Haunted. <laughs> 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 whispering vagina, band name, called it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are Whispering Vagina. That's really funny. Hello, Cleveland. <laughs> come on, we've got to get through this. September, uh, they make the pact. They swear if it ever comes back, they'll come back to finish the job. They seal the deal with blood. They hold hands. The dice cast. No, now that's okay. bad. Right, wait, so why? You do, okay, you go why you think it's bad. Two super quick reasons. When they made it chapter one, they, they probably didn't know, they might have thought they might have an it chapter two. So in it chapter one, Richie's talking about AIDS using misinformation classic of the time. Like, I can't remember specifically what it is. It was like, you can catch AIDS, in quote marks, from sharing a glass of water, doing whatever, stuff that isn't true. No one corrects him. Now, that's appropriate for the time because people used to talk like that. But if you're not going to make an it chapter two and then correct some of this stuff, especially using the F word, um, for gay people, then it's it's irresponsible to do that and just leave it hanging. And then second of all, this blood pack thing is not a good idea. And like, if your kids are doing that, it's just not a responsible thing to do. That's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, you 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 fast forward from what the fifties and uh, the nineteen ninety version to the eighties. Uh, this is nineteen eighty eight. Yeah. And, uh, no kid is like, no matter how much you like, we should do a blood pack. You're like, do you know what? I saw something on yeah. the news. So ca- let's just shake hands. Yeah. I just don't think you are going to be. Like making blood packs at that age, really? Yeah, I mean, and it's quite serious. I do it all as the well. time, <laughs> it's stay in my hand. <laughs> but you, you were a weird child. We've established yeah. that when yeah. you were just pulling clots out of your nose and going, "That's yours." <laughs> blood pack. <laughs> Valentine, you eat that Valentine clot. <laughs> then we're together. <laughs> uh, Bev and Bill, <laughs> you can't get this card open. What? <laughs> Bev and Bill, case we're taking a break. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. This is Detective Aberline. Hearing you, Aberline. Go ahead. We've got the body of a male on Derwood Street, Whitechapel, just behind the tube, a Mark Allen Nichols. His throat has been cut, a stab wound below his shoulder blade, and... Uh... Continue, please, Detective. Yeah, she's uh, she's cut off his knob and put his bollocks in the recycling bins. Stack presents a thrilling new audio fiction. She cut his throat, unbollocked the guy, and decocked him for good measure. The body of a man brutally murdered in Whitechapel was discovered this morning. That was Jackie's way. Evil, bloodthirsty, sexually explicit, and just... Yeah, just bloody horrible, really. Step into the scene. Me, yours truly, moi, that's, uh, me. Detect, lead detective, Freddie Aberline of Scotland Yard. 
There is a man next to us who has been brutally murdered and dismembered. We'll go and find his member then. Jesus Christ. Oh, but we've kept his AirPods in, I see. What's he listening to? Death metal? Zombie nation? Follow me as I hunt the most vicious serial killer known to man. Good Lord, she stuffed his eye sockets with his own bollocks. <laughs> Jackie the Ripper. The infamous Whitechapel murders retold by the makers of The Offensive. Available now on all podcast platforms. Sorry, Sally, I got your shoes. Ah, oh, it's my wagamama from earlier. Let's have a closer look. Looks like noodles. Nope, him. Jackie the Ripper. Hold on to your bollocks. Wow, all before the break. Well done. And we're back with, cha- well, it's we're back with chapter two. It did have a pretty... Uh, and I changed Logical. my I changed my T-shirt in the middle of it, so that that's not on Chris. That's on me. Right. Okay. Mm. Chapter two. I just want him to know that his timekeeping has been impeccable, and I fucked it up. That's true. Uh, I've been thinking about this, like uh, the Dune. Uh, what's happened with Dune at the moment? In mm. that they did literally make this first film without knowing if they'd get a second film. It's happening with Dune at the moment, and it, and it happened with it here, mm. which is remarkable because normally in this day and age in Hollywood, they 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 take the bet and they make both films back to back. So I just thought that was interesting. We'll get to why it's we- it makes this film weird it's later more on. More interesting here because this was only thirty-five million dollars. So you'd imagine they'd go, "Well, we no, it's going to do that," mm. and mm. so we can sign up for that. I mean, I think June is obviously a different kettle of fish because what is that, two hundred and fifty million dollars or mm. something? So, but it, it messes something that we're going to get to in a bit. Anyway, before we crack into the film, I just want to say, in an interview in July twenty seventeen, the child actors from the first film were asked which actors they would choose to play them in the sequel. Uh, Sophia Lillis uh, chose Jessica Chastain and Film Wolfhard chose Bill Hader. Really? Both of which happened. For yeah. real, real. Like, they, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Hadn't, no. they hadn't gotten. No. Hi, sorry, Finn. Just if you could have a read of that before the interview. <laughs> it says Bill Hader. I mean, Will's well, asked us to, and, and it's. You, you would like that to be true, but the other the other young actors didn't say the people they ended up with. So, would you like to know who they wanted oh, to play? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, Bill uh, wanted Christian Bale. He ended up with James McAvoy. Great. Uh, Eddie wanted Jake Gyllenhaal. He ended up with uh, James Ransom. Uh, ben wanted uh, Chris Pratt uh-huh. and ended up with Jay Ryan. Mm. Stan wanted Joseph Gordon-Levitt and that was someone called Andy Bean. <laughs> and Mike wanted uh, Chadwick Boseman and oh, ended nice. up with Isaiah Mustafa. So, uh, yeah, that would have been a really good cast they picked. Wow, hell of a cast. <laughs> Pricey. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Pratt would have been a very good Ben. I think Ben yeah. is miscast in both movies. Much as I like John Ritter. Uh, well, uh, yeah. We have to get onto Ben in this. Sure. And it, we will. This It's it's laughable. <laughs> okay. Uh, so it starts September 1989. Uh, like the Karate Kid films, um, we kick off with the end of the last movie. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you've got remember this. <laughs> Bev is lying, though. She lies to Stan. I found she that. Does, yeah. I found that quite. <clears throat> I mean, you sort of. I guess she kind of understand why, but she's like, "You were definitely there and uh, fucking taller or something. You're not dead." Anyway, uh, guys, <laughs> let me tell you about the rest of you. It's really weird. And then we're 27 years later, and we've got this cold open at the fairground. Uh, this horrific scene where a gay couple become the victim of a hate crime, mm. which I think is sort of. Um, Underlining the fact that on something horrible is being unlocked in the townspeople. Um, yeah, I didn't. I, it's just it, I didn't. I found this opening quite strange uh, when I watched it the first. I found time. it confusing because the man that gets thrown into the river or his partner has an inhaler. So I, mm. I was like, oh, it's Eddie. I just that's took me weird, a while to isn't get it? My that's eye very. In. Yeah, it's, it's very specific. Yeah, it's strange. It's in the book. 
Um, yes, it, it is. is yeah. It is in the book. Um, although in the book, which doesn't happen in the film, which seems strange, is that the perpetrators, the guys who do kill him and throw him off the bridge, uh, are arrested. They are convicted of his murder, mm. and they don't bother to sort of close that in the book. So it's sort of I, I, in the film rather. Which works in the film because it's like the police are ineffective because they're all polluted yeah. by mm. Derry's evil. Mm. But Stephen King in the book still felt the need to sort of at least, yeah. you know, close that circle, mm. which is interesting. Yeah. But we talk about him returning to themes. Obviously, I've been banging on about it this month. But I feel like it's similar. Overlook Hotel unlocks something terrible in Jack. Pet Cemetery unlocks something terrible in Jed. And now we've got this town, Pennywise, mm. unlocking something terrible in the townspeople. Same themes over and over again. Mm. Right, Mike's investigating and he starts making some calls. Um... Bill is working on a movie called Attic Room at the Warner Brothers lot for director Peter Bogdanovich. Very strange. Who's awesome, by the way. I don't know. I feel like it's a cameo that just completely takes me out of the movie. I guess a lot of people, certainly, I don't know, I'm going to be snobby. The youngsters maybe don't know who Peter Bogdanovich is and wouldn't recognise it, but it's a strange old cameo. Oh, uh, on the subject of Easter eggs, just because I think if if we don't mention it, people will go, you know, mention that. On 1990s episode, uh, Bill has written a book called The The Glowing. Yes. Which was obviously The Shining. Sorry. Uh, Bogdanovich, though, uh, thinks the name of his book is terrible we're going to come back to that well, no because they don't kill the shit out of that joke do they that never gets a mention again but I think it works it works better later um, Eddie's a risk assessor married to a woman just like his mum he even calls her mum and I hadn't realised this it's the same actress playing both his mum and yeah. the wife isn't that amazing really cool um, Ben He's lost some weight. He's speaking via Zoom. Um, he's a handsome, successful architect. And what I love is the person who you're first introduced in that scene, who you think is Ben, is Brandon Crane, who portrayed Ben in the 1990 version. Yeah. So I think that's a really that's nice. clever use of cameo. Ben is too hot. Like, yes. it's like, he's ridiculous. Jay Ryan is a very, very attractive man. Now, I only say that because... I guess in both versions, but it was only until I saw this version that, like, it suddenly struck me. Bev, like, suddenly finds out that it was actually Ben who wrote this poem. Would it not be amazing that he looks still like a bit of a a, a chunkier guy? He hasn't worked out that much, just a regular-looking bloke, but the fact that he wrote this poem for her and she didn't realise it was him and she sort of carried that with her all this time and she goes, oh, my God, and then they fall in love as opposed to a man who was, like, chiselled by a pervert. That's the thing, because if he's, he's like, I didn't write the poem, she's like, I don't give a shit <laughs> at this point. <laughs> no, Have you seen you? <laughs> you're absolutely right. Although I do think facially he does look quite a bit like the young Ben. I can actually see the similarity. My issue is I just think he's pretty bland in this in this version. Mm-hmm. I don't think he brings much to the part. Um, so we get the Stan uh, suicide scene, but this time it's intercut with them sealing their deal with blood. So there's razor blade and blood and blood with the razor. With it's the... Not, not as effective here. No. I didn't think so. I mean, I'm, I'm struggling to remember it even now. Uh, ben receives the call, uh, Bev receives the call rather, and I felt like this was shot and played very similar to Sleeping with the Enemy that we watched recently. Yeah. He plays his part a bit like Patrick Bergen yeah. in that film. Um, that's all I've got to say on that. Uh, there's all the stuff with Henry Bowers, which is one of the many things that I think takes us down a path that we don't need to spend as much time on as we do. Yeah, I agree. He's in a psychiatric hospital. Patrick Hoxetter appears, gives him a knife. He stabs his way out of hospital. Let's get to the Chinese restaurant Mm. where they all seem happy. They're having a go at each other. They're having a laugh. Uh, They don't remember forgetting each other, which I wouldn't buy into until I started doing this podcast. And after we record an episode, I can't remember anything that I've said 
People tweet us about stuff when the show goes live. I can't remember anything. Do you have this? Where I just I blank as soon as I leave this room. Yeah, it's a strange thing. I wish I, I wish I could. <laughs> it's there a gift. Therapy one day. Cut that bit. You changed the t-shirt. Um, I think he liked it. Yeah, he yeah, did really. He yeah. did. We get the cookie. Oh. Oh. <laughs> He's so hairless, like a baby. <laughs> Sorry, Alex just exposed himself to me. Uh, <laughs> just the torso, just the torso. Although he is hairless there too, of course. <laughs> That's a look, though. <laughs> There's an H carved in your stomach. Um, we get and a the... V and a C. <laughs> we get cookie monsters, as I'm going to call them. Um, these freaky little computer-generated monsters. I don't like them as much as the other ones. No, no they don't feel real. They, yeah. they don't look real. But so many of the monsters don't in this. They uh, yes. just feel they feel really entertaining. Like you'd be like, oh wow, cool. I look mean, at that. It's a drum we've banged a million times but you cannot beat great in-camera practical effects well you need a combination and I, it feels too many times with the cg monsters here they're going through the motions is oh every five minutes we've got to have one of these mm. jump out run around do something yeah. uh there's a more frightening scene at a baseball game um yeah. a firefly lures a little girl to an underneath the bleachers where pennywise waits he offers to blow the birthmark off her face but, yeah. and then bites off her head so this is interesting because there's a moment here which is really, really good where she first goes under the bleachers and goes up to him and he's like, hello, little girl. Da, da, da. And she goes, fuck this. Yeah. You're clearly a, a scary person and it's it's, it's mm. the 21st century mm. and I know full well that like, I've seen enough movies that you're a fuck up what and I'm wanted, off. What we wanted Georgie to do. Right. Yeah. And But, she, but then all he does is goes, no one will play with the clown anymore. And she's like, Oh, actually, because it's a movie, sure, I'll come over and die. Yeah, and he, I thought he connects with her on her level over her, her birthmark. Like, I think he's appealing to her sympathy and her I sweetness. Just, That's what makes it so upsetting. I think the, the switch is too dramatic from a very smart kid to suddenly being convinced because he'll blow away her birthmark. It reminded me of that Doctor Sleep scene of the kid getting tortured to death that Alex enjoyed so much. Mm. That's a great scene. <laughs> <laughs> but at least I didn't linger on it here, so that that's probably why you're annoyed. We didn't get 10 minutes of watching her, the life, the life leave her little body. Yeah, and then it keeps cutting back to the body and no one's moved it. They've, they've closed and the, mum's just gone. They've closed the bleachers and it's now exposed, but yeah. people are just sort of like moving it out of the way. So. Yeah. Um, if I was just watching the films, I think I'd find it hard to get my head around the concept of the deadlights. Yes. I don't think it's brilliantly explained. And then we get in addition to that, we've got Eddie, we find out he's being um, getting, oh no, Mike's been getting help from a Native American holy man. He's been drinking their sacred drugs, having visions. He microdoses Bill. That and is see- bananas, by it's- the way. Who does that to their friend? You, that, that's not all right. I wish you'd do it to you enjoy it. <laughs> you enjoying this episode? <laughs> uh, and we see the past where it arrives and, and, and how it appeared to others and show how to stop it. But- right, right. Right, right, right. Let's get into this. The Ritual of Chud. The yeah. Ritual of Chud, which is in the book. It is in the okay, book. Okay, the Ritual of Chud. But what isn't in the book is it arriving in a comet. Mm-hmm. That is something that uh, Gary Doberman has chosen to mm. add to this, the idea of it being an alien from mm. outer space. We even get to see where the comet landed at the end. Mm-hmm. Fine. Okay, you want to sort of go, I'm, I'm losing the turtle yeah. and I'm adding an alien. But then... We've got this whole bit where Bev visits uh, Mrs. Kirsch's house. And now Mrs. Kirsch is the daughter of a man who looks exactly like Pennywise, played by Bill Skarsgård, who she then tells the story of having arrived in this town with $14. Mm-hmm. And we get a cut scene later where he's <laughs> sitting, a hallucination where he's sitting and he's putting the makeup on. Mm-hmm. It's like 
if by the end of what eight uh, how long is it so over five hours of watching cinema i am confused as to whether or not pennywise was this man who came to town or an alien from a comet Mm. something has gone wrong with your storytelling i agree i mean apart from a a prequel i would like to see which is bill skarsgård without much makeup on being Mm. that person eating a baby no i don't well i mean if it's if it's there it's there but if you don't see the actual eating of the baby and you see the reaction shot that's better but oh you want to see it (laughs) where's it going Just like his jaw distending and like just head clean off. Whoa. Whoa. But also, once you say alien, I like alien films. I'm scared of aliens when I'm in space. But if it's not the Earth, if it's like if there's something wrong with the Earth that you've got, it's less scary. It's like, oh, it just came in from outer space and it could fuck off to outer space if it wanted to kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas when it's in the soil, because it's always been here, it predates everything mm. kind of thing. It's much scarier to me. Yeah, it's just sort of this weird thing and it's sort of... It's like if it arrived in a comet, it didn't even arrive in a spaceship. So it is kind of stuck here. So it's not like here through choice. It's not an eater of worlds. Yeah. It's an eater of world singular. This one. Yeah, well, by accident. Yeah, because it accidentally landed here. <laughs> it's sort of, yeah. it doesn't make a whole lot of sense as opposed to this trans-dimensional being that mm. has chosen to be here because it's a great place to feist. Yeah. And that was done better in the film Killer Clowns from Outer Space anyway. Right. So uh, we get a bit of a flashback um, of the kids fighting their clubhouse. I love there's a really good Texas, Texas switch here where the old Ben falls into a hole and young Ben gets up. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is where uh, the issue comes in in terms of why they didn't shoot it back to back because they've had to de-age and dub the, the kids here. Right. And I think it plays really strange. Uh, I mean, I had to check because it was there was just something off about the way they looked okay, and the way they spoke. This, but... Okay, yeah, because they they'd grown two years and at that age, that's quite a, a big oh, change. So I you're looking it. at pretty CG characters in that sequence. Okay, but if you didn't notice well, it, I then didn't notice. I didn't... oh wow, mm. okay, I feel bad bringing it up. Um, it no, weirded me out. Don't. It just makes you more observant than Victoria and I, which is true. Mm. Good at my job. Um, uh, we well, learn. Didn't need to take. I didn't that say far. that. No, we learned that. <laughs> you know, take a compliment, right? Take a fucking. Compliment. Don't turn something nice into something horrible all yeah. the time. Oh, I'm the best. Um, so we learned that the ritual of Chud requires. Why did you say that like you were farting at the same time? <laughs> I'm the best. Or something else. Exactly. Mm. Uh, ritual of Chud requires um, some sacrifice, and it requires them to dig up their past piece by piece. Alex, I know you, uh, Vicky, even I know you had an issue with this. That who, is um, the Horcruxes. Right. From Harry was Potter. it you who said this? It yeah. was. That's why I passed it straight to Vicky before yeah. you could jump in and claim it. Your own. Alex. I wasn't going to claim it as my own, but I was quite annoyed because I wouldn't have picked up on it. And then when you said that last week at the mm. pub, and I watched it after that, and I was like, "Oh my god, it is fucking Horcrux finding!" Is. And they don't even bother to show everyone finding their own individually. No. They go, "We'll do a couple, and then we'll reveal like Mike holding a rock at the end." He's at like, the end. By yeah. the way, I had this rock bev from ages ago. So yeah, while you were off. Looking for yours, I just add mine. But it adds, <laughs> yeah. it and I remember to bring it, even though I don't remember anything. <laughs> it adds weird. a good forty minutes to the runtime, which is the real issue here. Um, so yeah, they're off of their artifacts. Alex, you've mentioned Beverly going to that home. I was going to talk about it. Um, is it worth it? I think we've done it. Maybe it'd be worth it if that was if we were learning about the history of Pennywise. Yeah. If he was this guy who came to this town, if that was like this is interesting, and so he was the first person to stumble into this lair, and mm. like the alien. Then, like, it it possessed him. So that was the first physical form it decided to take. And he was the clown at the circus. And that's how it came about. Great. I'm on board with this. This is interesting. But it's not. He's an alien as well. And we get that one moment as well where we see uh, Bill Skarsgård out of makeup, applying the makeup and then then using blood 
for the red. And it's it's a really effective scene, but I don't, what's the point? Mm. There well, is a lot of this movie that is, you hate to say it, but it's it's just there because it's like, that'll be cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, you know, the giant Paul Bunyan uh, chasing Bill, it's it's in the book, but, and it looks cool, but like this is the the longest horror film uh, that's ever gone on general release. It is weird, and it did not need to be this long. Yeah, it's weird that I, I don't know whether because it is like you say the longest. Whether anyone's ever done that experiment before, there are only so many scares that you can put in before you're like, it's actually, I've, I've, I'm I've, done. But I've always felt that you know, the, I love Judd Apatow's films, but he does get criticised for them being too long. And I think two and a quarter, two hours, twenty minutes. I think you've only got a certain amount of laughs in you mm. before you're just a bit exhausted of laughing. And th- that's why comedies work at ninety minutes. And I feel the same about horror. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's kind of a, f- a famous thing about comedies where it is sort of any more than 90 minutes and you're pushing it. But I'd never really thought about that until now about horror. But I think you're right. It's and we always like, talk about similarities with uh, horror, horror and comedy, yeah. like the, 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 the setup and payoff. I don't even think that lumberjack scene is that good. No. It's, it's not scary. It's not scary. It's, sort it's of just kind you'd be like, funny. wow, OK, cool. Mm. Uh, Bill tries to buy a bike from Stephen King, who tells him off for swearing mm. and doesn't like his ending. He's quite and good. this is where I like it, because Stephen King is constantly criticised for his endings. Mm. So it's quite funny to him almost take the piss out of himself. For one time, and he's not, not by everybody throughout the whole film <laughs> constantly. Not. Yeah, I'll do it on my terms. <laughs> he's not a bad actor in this, though. No, he's not. It's fine. Eddie heads to the pharmacy. I'm only bringing up stuff that's interesting now because there's just so much happens. Mm. Um, Andy Machete, uh, did you spot him in the background? I did not. Uh, um, maybe I only spotted him because I'd, I'd met him. But um, uh, we, How we've... was he when you met him? Yeah, top, top bloke. Really liked him. Yeah. Very nice. I think he seems good. Yeah, he seems cool. Um, but but this sequence flashes into a basement full of broken surgical tools where his mum's tied up by the BJ leper and in the present he strangles as black goose dreams into his face. It's these scenes that don't add anything. It's just like, oh, this is a, this will be a little bit of a jump scare and it doesn't, it, it just doesn't progress things. Two no. things. BJ Leper, band name, called it. We are BJ Leper. Hello, (laughs) Cleveland. Also, the bit where the black gunk sprays into his face. Call me Angel in the morning, (laughs) Angel. That that, that ridiculous musical cue at that point, I was like, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. That's great. But where has that come from? Exactly. Uh, You know, we we followed up uh, with Bill uh, going to that summer festival and following that kid into the Hall of Mirrors and Pennywise imprisons the kid and he's licking the glass with his big tongue and he headbutts it. And it's a great image, but like... Just let's just get on with this now. I feel like it's all filler. It's, but I think, it's well, not so much that. What's bothering you is that you know, you know, we bang on about structure. If you lifted that scare and put it twenty minutes earlier, it makes no difference to the narrative. If you mm. put it twenty minutes later, it makes no difference yep. to the narrative. They do it with the kids as well. When the kids get into the Nebo house, you're just scaring them a bit, but it doesn't push the narrative on necessarily. Yeah, it's really frustrating. I also think the 1991 does it a bit as well. To be yeah. honest, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just too much. It's like you, you. I think this kid in the Hall of Mirrors thing is a real fail as well because this isn't just thrown in there like, oh, this will be cool, a scene in a Hall of Mirrors. This is meant to be something we are invested in emotionally because Bill is like trying to save this kid. He doesn't want the same thing to happen to Georgie and you should be like, oh my God, at that moment. Mm. And you're not, you're just like, Whatever. Oh, that's yeah. fucking cool. Another death. A lot of blood. You just, you just annoyed it wasn't dragged out for longer because it was a kid. Yeah, I mean, that would have been better. But again, all the deaths are a little bit short. It's like this. you said about, what's the film we watch where they go to, is it Sleeping With The Enemy, where they go to the fairground and you think the climax mm. is going to happen in the fairground yeah, and then they just go off the hallway. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, so they head to Nebolt House again to have a lot of the same things or similar kind of things to happen that we yeah. saw in chapter one. With, um, one added, with one added very strange decision. Is this is this the, the, the homage to the thing? What the fuck is that doing there? So young Stan appears in a fridge, his head falls off, he rolls, starts talking, turns into a spider, and Richie, quoting the thing, says... Uh, You've got got to be be fucking fucking kidding me. me. You've got to be fucking kidding me, yeah. Um, I I, I was just like, oh, man, I'd love to watch the thing again. But that's what moments like that do when it reminds you of a great moment in a great film and it takes you out of this movie. Yeah, yeah. And they realise that Pennywise's lair from the first film was nothing because they find uh, these vast caves under Derry that have been there for a billion years. But that's good because, like, thank God they go somewhere else because so far you've been everywhere you've already been. Yeah. And now we get to go down the hatch. It becomes quite Lovecraftian now. Do you think it's kind of weird that a lot of the flashbacks that they have in it, I couldn't decide whether it worked or it didn't, but it felt like that a lot of the flashbacks the adults have to their childhood are stuff that (laughs) wasn't in the first film. It feels like some of these flashbacks should go back to things that we'd sort of seen in the first Mm. film and like be maybe told from a different angle or something else was going on. It's like you're having your cake and eating it. You're having the adult story, but then you're adding more kid stuff that really belonged in the first movie. Movie. Yeah. Uh, we get some stuff with the artifacts now. I was going to read out the artifacts, but no, you don't do. really care, do you? Yeah, okay. Do. Uh, Bill is Georgie's boat. Eddie's Fine. is the inhaler. Yeah, right. Bev's the poem she wished she'd held on to. Mm-hmm. Bill's is the page from the yearbook only one person signed. Sorry, that's Ben. Mm. Ben's at the yearbook page. Richie's is a token from the cinema. No. Uh, Literal token. Absolutely not. No. Uh, Mike's is the rock that Bev hit Bowers with. Not even Mike's own thing. I've written that in capitals. (laughs) That's not Mike's. Unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) If we both are angry about that, like surely when they're writing it, they're like, we've got to find something for Mike that actually belongs to him. What's yours, Mike? Yeah, it's your, actually yours, Bev. It's your <laughs> rock. It's yours. Do you want to? Do you want to swap? Chat? I can do the rock, and you can do my poem. Um, would that Here work? is the poem I wish I kept for you. And Stan's is a blooming shower cap that they had to write that new scene underground, so oh, they, yeah. they they want to wear the shower cap. Oh God, yeah, sorry, nothing, yeah, nothing. So the oh, point God, is, the it, clubhouse scene that was wasted. That's the yeah, DH one I was talking about. Right, sorry. Yeah. Okay, um, so the ritual of Chad. Um, they've done the union, they, they do the tokens, the final step is the flames going out and the ceiling turning into the inside of the mouth and the deadlights descending and they don't look, don't look, we're doing Razor Lost Ark now, we're going to put on music to really like Razor Lost Ark, don't look. Uh, made me think, I wish I was watching Razor Lost Ark. Um, uh, and Pennywise then appears and claims it's all a gazebo placebo. It's, um, it's like, and then it's Bill, James McAvoy goes, Mike, did you lie to us? And he's like... Well, kind of. Yeah. So what happened was they did this once before, and, and they all died. Every like, but everyone died. But don't worry, it's because they didn't really want it to go, or they didn't believe it. They were scared. Yeah. They. Yeah. They, yeah. It's it's like, it is because it corrects. Well, now I'm scared because it didn't fucking work. Because at first, Mike's like. Oh, it was um, Native Americans. They they could do it, but they just moved somewhere else. And it's like, well, why would they not just do it? Like, it's their thing. They can do it. And then he's like, yeah, so take these take these drugs. Oh, wait, sorry. Are you fucked now? All right, fine. Now you can see. And then it's like, oh, yeah, no, they did do it. But they all couldn't do it. The Native Americans couldn't do it. And Bad. now I, I wish I was writing the end here, but there's so much more because the uh, Pennywise turns into this clown spider. They get split up again. They get split up they're so many times in this film. They're, they're very bad at and that. And they, they end up in front of doors again, just like they did in the last film. Funny though. 
It's the dog joke. The Pomeranian. The Pomeranian is a good callback, but it's not good enough for an extra fifty minutes in front of in front of doors and Bill in the basement with Georgie but, and Bev and Ben trying to get to each other. And so, first of all, weird that Henry Bowers goes, "Here's Johnny." Strange. Why are you yep. referencing The yes. Shining? What's yep. the point in that? The dog joke is a great joke. It feels a little bit like the rabbit out of the hat in the Twilight Zone movie. The problem is at this point we are in life and death stakes. This is the this is the finale now. Yeah. You know, I think already as Mike's injured, Eddie might is he Eddie even dead at this He's point? not dead yet. He's, He's not injured. dead yet. Yeah. But shit is going down. You do not take a breath to go this is kind of a funny gag, so we're going to do it here. <laughs> and what you also don't do is uh, Bill has had to shoot Georgie in the head not mm. long ago. Now he's got to drown Georgie. Mm. It's literal overkill. Mm. Don't have the same character kill the same character twice. We've got, it doesn't mean anything on this, on this I mean, occasion. It is quite a statistic. How many times have you killed the same brother twice? <laughs> I've, I've killed my one brother twice over. Three times if you think about the responsibility <laughs> with the toy ball. Uh, Bev realises the truth about the poem and uh, Ben tells her he loves her. and She's like, brilliant because you're fit now. So mm. awesome. Uh, Eddie gets speared. There's something about uh, living things abiding by the shape they inhabit. Stupid. You know, I kind of vaguely know what they're talking about, but it's 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 so offhandedly thrown away that it's... I mean, I've told you this before. The, the biggest problem I have with this climax is the fact that Spider Pennywise looks exactly like Bug Turbo from Wreck-It Ralph at the end. <laughs> Where Turbo is infected with the bug energy and it's Turbo's big clown head on top of the spider body. And I watch and I go, but it's just the same thing. Yeah. Did you like it when he shrunk down to become baby-wise? So stupid. <laughs> because you, we talk about this a lot. If you've got a monster, you don't want to make it look weak. You can kill it. Kill it and it goes away or whatever. But don't make it look like weak like a literal baby. Yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of Deadpool 2 when he turns into a little a little. Yeah. Kid. But is, this is his death scene though. Yeah. No, I like, I, I'm a fan. Of, I, I like the, because the whole thing is he's been this but also, incredibly powerful. This is his death scene. It's not you, you're not, you are weakening the monster at this point because it's, it's his, it's la he's dying. It's his last hurrah. So you kind of want to see this all-powerful, omnipresent force that has infected this town, reduced to this snivelling little thing on the ground. I liked it. The problem is, um, which again, you know, we were talking about the 19 miniseries and how it had to really focus on the friendship. And it's quite, I think, you know, but I'm quite cold. It's quite mawkish. Mm. So that is like times one billion here where they're like, but wait, you can make someone feel small in other ways. So oh, Pennywise, yeah. first of all, would have fucking buckets of self-esteem because everything he wants, he gets. Everything he does goes well. So they're like, you're rubbish. And he's like, oh, not rubbish. <laughs> yeah. That's ridiculous. All like right. they chide yeah. a clown to death. That's fine. I agree <laughs> with that. I absolutely agree. The, the climax is like, mm, meh. But like in both movies, it's meh. But I do like the sort of the, the withered, like, remains of Pennywise begging for his life and them not giving it to him. I thought that was uh, good. Okay. Mike pulls out his heart. They all squeeze. The light goes out in his eyes. He breathes his last breath and his body disintegrates. But we're far from done. Eddie dies. Uh, they've got to get out of the house before it disappears into the ground. They jump off the cliff into the water. They remember Eddie. That made me sad. Uh, this is the first time Richie doesn't joke in the film. I cried my eyes out. Yeah, it's quite emotional. I cried emotional. and cried and cried because I didn't see it come in because all their bants... I just didn't see it. And then when Eddie died and Richie was with I was like, oh, fuck, he loved him. And then when he did love him, so. Okay. Because okay. I just didn't see it come in, which right. is good. I liked it. So right. let's, but let's... you knew Eddie was going to die. 
Uh, well, yeah, right. but I didn't because because you'd watched the same movie. Well, yeah, but then the other one is in a movie with his friend Eddie, and that's their oh, that's their connection, right? Kind of thing. Okay. Whereas yeah. this is like I loved you, and now you're gone, and I never tell. Oh, and then he's just you know really sobbing. Come on, I'm nearly there. So bed and bed kiss. <laughs> the hand scars have healed. He minimizes my emotions all the time. <laughs> I can see. I know. Come on, I think that is your new catchphrase. <laughs> it is. It's come on. Come on, get it done. <laughs> Nearly there. <laughs> I feel like we've been here forever talking about the same fucking thing. Um, their scars have healed on their hands because nothing lasts forever. Uh, we flash back to them bickering while pushing their bikes. Very strange things. Um, they're remembering it all this time. They're not forgetting, but they're all finally moving on. They all receive a letter from Stan explaining why he killed himself and his film's still bloody going. <laughs> um, he said he was too scared, so he took himself off the board. Uh, we... I think that's uh, it's unearned sentimentality about Stan there. I don't think. Oh, I liked it. Oh, I didn't. I thought to give him a bit more agency. I like that. No, I don't like it. We see that Richie loved Eddie because, because he... on Monday, it's the fear that Stan is blinded by the fear. Sure, it's not yeah. like uh, right. I'm absolutely terrified, but not so terrified that I can't just write seven letters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ben and Bev are on a boat. Oh, yeah. And like everything else in this chapter, we get two rather than one concluding quotes. Uh, thing about being a loser is you don't have anything to lose and we're losers and we always will be. Pick one. <laughs> Pick one. Pick one. Everybody's got something to lose. That's ridiculous. Oh. Uh, so um, it chapter one cost 35 million and made 700 million. It didn't. Oh, did you not know? No, I didn't know the number. Yeah. It did not. Ridiculous. Fucking and hell. Chapter- it was like, this is a really interesting thing we haven't talked about, which is, it's Why? trailer. When its trailer landed on YouTube, overnight it became the most watched movie trailer in the history of movie trailers on YouTube. And like, I just have no idea why. And the only thing I can think, because I don't think the book is that revered, is the fact that that Tim Curry version agree, yeah. has entered popular culture so much that the idea of a new It trailer mm. meant it went, it just exploded overnight. Yep. And chapter two cost seventy nine million and made four hundred seventy million, okay. which looks like nothing in comparison. And it's such a big hit. Mm. Um, so yeah, and and it chapter one is the most successful horror film of all time. Wowzers! Let's do the bit. One other thing, uh, Pennywise of Pennywise's demise, uh, he gets a mention in Stephen King's Dreamcatcher, right. which uh, we have talked about a lot, considering we haven't covered it on this. Uh, and we will talk about it again one day. Oh my god, we will. Uh, someone tries to put uh, Mr. Gray tries to put a worm in Derry's uh, water using a stamp pipe, but it's not there. In its place is a statue of chilled children with a plaque underneath dedicated to the victims of the 1985 flood, which is when Derry gets washed away in the book, and of it, the plaque has been vandalised with graffiti that reads, Pennywise lives. I'd like him to come back. Yeah, of course. Vicky, what's your favourite scene? Uh, just hang on a minute because my uh, iPad uh, is running out of battery. Alex, so I'm just what's your favourite scene? Thank you. Great, thanks. I'll step in. Uh, <laughs> save the day. <laughs> like that. It's just a battery issue. His, yeah. uh, his iPad won't run out. No. Paper. <laughs> tree. Someone's got a printer. After tree. <laughs> after, right, uh, George's death again. It's uh, without a doubt the most effective scene in this movie. I can still close Done it right now. Close my eyes. Armless child crawling along the tarmac and being reached for by an extended in clown hand amazing I'm going to jump in and say Georgie's death for me yeah. <laughs> two for two I don't know why I need my notes it's uh, Georgie in the storm drain wow so we we all picked the same scene both times yeah that's remarkable uh, it's 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 
it is incredible that they've done it two different ways as well. Yeah. In the first movie, they tell you what happened rather than show his arm being ripped off. In this one, they show it. And yet both work. Both are equally effective. And it's, I think that is when you think it, I think you think more that moment than any other. That's why we picked it. That's, uh, Vicky, MVW. Bill <laughs> Skarsgård, obviously. Uh, just weird, unsettling, big-eyed, childlike. Or Bill Hader for making me cry. James McAvoy for continuing to be fit as fuck. But actually, Bill Skarsgård. So uh, most valuable whatevers. <laughs> Yeah. Bill Skarsgård. Alex, most valuable whatever. Bill Skarsgård. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, genuinely, because I don't think you'll find anywhere people talking about how his performance is a poor Tim Curry or that they mm. missed Tim yeah, Curry, yeah. which I think is absolutely amazing considering how much we love Tim Curry in the original to then have this and not at any point ever go... Yeah, it's not Tim Curry, though. And he's made it his own mm. and he's done it in a very different way. So Bill Skarsgård. Okay, I'm not picking him. Whoa. Ah, oh, boring. Back in the trend. Um, I'm going for Sophia Lillis. She's very Bear. good. Yeah. yeah. She's would, so good. No matter what you think of her character, I just think she brings a lot to that role. Just, it's multi-layered, it's nuanced, she's likable, she's tough. Some, t- some horrible scenes she has to shoot. And she's I just so think she's good. brilliant. Yeah, it's she like is. watching a movie star just definitely, appear on screen definitely. to the point that I think Jessica Chastain had to really be on point yeah. to play her as an older character. <laughs> yeah. It, it sounds like you're adding another most valuable word. Wow, yeah, maybe. <laughs> she is great, though. <laughs> and uh, if you changed anything, what would it be, Vicky? Uh, just two small things. Uh, when Ben is trapped in the locker, he's going to get his bit of paper and um, he's having a memory and New Kids on the Block poster is there and you can see Danny from New Kids on the Block. I think Danny should come to life and try and bite him. So I think that would be fun. Oh, my God, <laughs> I just came. <laughs> hell. Come on, come on. All right, come on. I was, I was a blockhead. <laughs> and then the last thing is, when they do, it's a really small thing. When they do the quarry dip as adults, they should take their clothes off to show that they've got the... In, it's not sexual. It's the innocence of youth. They can strip in front of each other and it's not a big sexy thing like they did when they were kids. Mm. When they jump into a quarry fully clothed, it's like, oh, are you embarrassed by yourselves? Which is natural for adults, but they're meant to have this connection that runs much deeper than that. Yeah, um, also, just very quickly... Quarry dip, band name. Oh Called God. it. <laughs> Alex, come on. Uh, I've done mine, so you'll be pleased to hear. It's the fact that in over five hours of movie watching, I, I'm, I'm confused about the origins mm. of it uh, versus... Pennywise the Clown, the guy who became Pennywise the Clown, the Bill Skarsgård character putting on the makeup, the comet from Outspeed. I just, I want to know. I, I don't, I'm not, I'm happy with you leaving it vague. Don't tell me everything, but don't have two completely conflicting ideas that seem to work against each other. Uh, I'm going to do a couple of changes that are out there in the world. They're not my personal ones, but people have talked about them. I think they're interesting. Lazy. Um, no, I've got one. I've got Good. one on my own, oh, okay. but I just thought these ones we should mention. Um, Everyone was hoping when it was announced that it would be set in the 80s that rather than do 50s movie monsters, they'd do 80s movie monsters. And I think it would have been fun to see Jason Freddy yeah. uh, showing up in this movie. It's particularly as, as Warner Brothers own the rights to Freddy. Um, I don't know. It's just one direction they could have gone in. But no, because if you've got Pennywise and Freddy Krueger... Freddy's very movie, similar to, to Pennywise. And it also, you know, Pennywise is meant to be the big scary... Uh, the big bad and Freddy is fucking terrifying so yeah it's just a fun bit of speculation Alex uh, don't get angry okay. um, also as Alex mentioned uh, in the book uh, Pennywise at the end lays eggs we realise Pennywise is female cast a woman as good as Bill Skarsgård was it would have been really interesting to have uh, uh, female Tilda Pennywise Swinton, yeah. not Swinton. I've written down not <laughs> Tilda Swinton too bloody scary uh, but where my- did your fear of Tilda Swinton come from the line the witch in the wardrobe <laughs> 
everything. Okay, fine. She's a little bit frightening. <laughs> yep. I like her. Uh, no, my changes don't make chapter two. And we're done. Wow. That's a big, big swing. Done. Um, you can, you do need chapter two. Because, all right, fine. Ooh, see, let's see how the verdict goes. Well, let's do that right now then. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! So, uh, my choices. Uh, who's going to go first? I'm going to go with... Tim Curry. <laughs> no, uh, Chris, you go first. <clears throat> okay, we've got two very different interpretations, uh, largely due to the budget and the rating. And I think they both have their strengths and weaknesses. We've gone into them. But I'm going with the new films, uh, mainly because of broadcast standards and practices, because the TV movie is effective, but it isn't it. As much, so much has to be implied. In the TV movie, we hear the horror of George's death and it works, but in the new one, we see it and it really works. So in spite of my dislike for chapter two, I think chapter one is great. And when combined, they are a more accurate reflection of Stephen King's book, the new ones. So that is one vote for it, chapters one and two. Remember, they are one combined movie in this week's show. So Victoria... I did agonise over this and I've, I might change my mind. All right, so I think that it, I found this really hard because my expectations for the TV series were sky high because it scared me to death. And obviously it can't really deliver on that because of the constraints of TV. So one and two obviously looks better, but so they should, you know, all that time and it's a feature and all the rest of it. Both of them suffer massively from not building the dread and the scares and the narrative. In both of them, you can move the scenes around with no impact. And it is hard to write. But by 2017, you should have got it better because you've seen someone try it and fail a little bit, so you should do a better job. Um, so then you go back to like Curry versus Skarsgård, I think, a bit, because they sort of carry the films in their own different way. Um, but Curry's carrying the full miniseries, whereas at least with the movies, despite the absolutely preposterous length, they do have other stuff going for them. Whereas I do think, if I'm honest, the 1990 miniseries doesn't have much else going for it apart from Tim Curry. Um, in the movies, the love triangle stuff is better. The Eddie and Richie thing I obviously loved and cried my eyes out. So I'm very reluctant to do it because I don't want to, but I am going to say um, one and two. Oh, oh my God. She was sad when she was picking. I, she yeah, was. I did. Oh, okay. Yeah, did I sound sad? You looked yeah. into the deadline. You said reluctantly. I am really, Yeah, I don't want to do it, but I can't think of something else in the miniseries that, that's on a par I with... It. I don't know. I get it. I we get it. have a winner, and the winner is it's chapter one and two for the record. I will say that watching chapter two back to back with chapter one makes for a much more enjoyable experience of chapter two. I think the weight between the two when they came out two years apart in the cinema, it was disappointing seeing chapter two. I quite liked watching it as a one big five hour movie, mm. as long as it was. Um, I think. The relationship between the kids in the new version is stronger than in the old. And I certainly think the craft, like you said, and the quality of the filmmaking is better. And it has been bugging me all week because it is that question of critical eye over the craft of filmmaking versus nostalgia. Mm. But it boils down to two words for me. Tim Curry. Thank God. I vote the miniseries from 1990 and I am... Not going to have one of my little tantrums, but I am surprised that it did not win this week because that movie is um, quite bad. I <laughs> <laughs> but I 
And yet, even though it is, in your words, Chris Bad, in your words, Victoria, boring, its legacy beyond those words and what it actually is, is so powerful because of Tim Curry. You can't have one without the other. I will throw this bottle of water out. Because you can have one without the other because you've got the book. Yeah. So it's not that. Join us next week when on our new podcast, Clash of the Legacies. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, I I am, I'm, I'm, I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. <laughs> oh, that's worse. <laughs> I'm disappointed. It's 1990. Should have won, but it didn't. Vicky and Chris voted for the new version, so they are our winner this week. And right I, then. I know we've been here all day, but additional verdict. What was the best Stephen King movie of the month? I'm going with The Bloody Shining. Victoria? The Shining. Oh, by quite a, I mean, by quite a way. I've had a bit of a weirdness about Gerald's game in the last few weeks. I do think that was brilliant. It's a, it's not better than Misery, but it is very good, apart from the ending, which is shit. Mm. Yes, so, it would have been weird if you'd picked Gerald's game as your favourite of the month, having yeah. not picked it that week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's obviously The Shining. Okay, Al? Um, I, I'm, I, and I'm not... You're going to go for the TV movie of it? Yeah, you are. <laughs> I fucking am as well. I, I was going to say that anyway. What? I absolutely think it is... Just it's ah, it's. Fine. I'm never going to not be scared by mm. Tim Curry appearing in that drain more than anything in any of the other movies we've covered. That's great. That moment belongs to that movie, which is why it's the best. Not even a movie that we've covered <laughs> this month. Love it. Right then, horror is behind us. We have covered uh, some fantastic horror movies. Halloween is just around the corner. But we're looking ahead to next week and something perhaps a little lighter. Something light. Yeah. A palate cleanser. Thanks. Uh, My clue was something about History Brats. Yeah, you've seen the History Boys. Now watch the History Brats. Alex. You're welcome. You have the movie Young Guns. Okay. And Vicky, you have the movie The Three Musketeers, uh, the one that's got the brat pack in. Yay! I can't remember the year of it. 1993. 1993. It's available on Amazon. I paid for it in HD, which I never do. So, <laughs> oh, wait, what? I never do. You buy movies in SD if there's an option. Yeah, <laughs> what is disgusting. wrong You're with disgusting. you? That is I a sackable offence. My Wi-Fi isn't good. Honestly, it's not good enough to like... Is that your excuse? Because <laughs> I am looking at a replacement we for that did, chair right now. We once did a film, which you could only get in SD. And I remember you said, you were like, well, sorry about that, everyone, but enjoy it in SD. I was like, well, that's all. That's my every week. Like, it's no different for me. Well, I will say that Young Guns and Three Musketeers, they're both... Is your TV colour? <laughs> They're both yeah. available to rent on Amazon Prime and on the Sky Store and Three Musketeers is also on Disney+. Plus. Lovely business. That is Young Guns versus The Three Musketeers from 1993. Those are next week's movies. Do your homework. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to our countdown to Halloween, our month of King versus King on Clash Pod. Also, we have some news for you about our next live show. Yes, we told you another one was happening and it is happening quite quite soon on thursday november the 11th that is thursday november the 11th we are at the loading bar in stoke newington london so if you can get to stoke newington london on thursday november the 11th it is our first actual show in a bar yeah we're in a bar and so this is the clash pairing we've decided on for that night tom cruise's cocktail versus coyote ugly That's what we're doing. 
We hope you can make it. There's going to be themed cocktails. A fancy dress is optional, although obviously I'm going to be dressing up. And you can find all the details and buy tickets at eventbrite.co.uk. That's eventbrite, B-R-I-T-E, .co.uk. Just search Clash of the Titles. All the details are on there. We hope you can make it on Thursday, November the 11th for another Clash Pod Live. We'll be back on Monday talking young guns. Have a very... Very happy Halloween. Bye-bye. This was a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network.